Oh God, our Father, we can stack the wood, put the kindling, lay the newspapers, but unless you start the fire, absolutely nothing will happen. We plead for your Holy Spirit now to save the lost, strengthen the faithful, and give us the grace to do your work as ambassadors for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. The words I wish to share to you are from the New Testament lesson, and I'd just like to read the last verse. Kind of going to go backwards, but that's the focus of it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, My daughter always gets upset when Pastor Matt doesn't say, draw this on your sermon notes, so I'm going to say it in case she listens to it online. (laughs) So if you're going to draw something on the back of your bulletin today for your sermon notes, draw a theater stage. And consider what happens behind the curtains of a theater stage. I don't know if you're into drama or into theater or you go to plays or anything like that. I'm really not that kind of a person. It's just a thought that dawned on me as I started preparing for this message. I don't know if any of you have ever seen Young Americans. Have any of you ever seen the Young Americans show? No one? My wife and I go to Harbor Springs and visit with a friend of ours, and we've seen it a few times up there, and it's, it's an awesome show. It's these young people who sign up for this, and they dance, and they sing, and they do theater, and it's just phenomenal. The talent that these kids have when they get up on stage. But, you know, when they get up on stage and the curtain opens, think of how much has gone into what's already happened behind those curtains, like the other six days of the week, because they only do it once a week, and all the preparation and all the things that go into that. So what I hope God can do today for you and for me, as he's done for me so far in preparation for this, is as we talk about these verses in the scriptures, let him pull us back behind the scenes a little bit to see what happens behind the curtains, so to speak. And the things that we sometimes just read over, I do, just gloss over them. Like it's almost nothing. It's just standard stuff, right? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so we could be the righteousness of God. That's awesome. It's more awesome than we think. (laughs) Way more awesome than we think. So just consider as we peel back the curtains a little bit. And let me set the, the stage for you, so to speak, in context, just very briefly. Paul is writing this letter to Corinth. Corinth was a city on a, I don't even know how to say this word, I'm going to try it, an isthmus, I think that's right. So it's a narrow stretch of land between two seas. So what happened in Corinth was, instead of ships sailing in the Mediterranean Sea around what they called the Cape of Malia, which was very dangerous, they would pull their boats into Corinth, they would load them on rollers, and they would drag them the four miles across and drop them back in. So not only did it save them time, it saved the treachery of the sea. So Corinth was a hodgepodge. There were people of every ethnic background, every nature. In Corinth, there was tons of business. There was tons of booze. There was tons of sex. And there was tons of activity. So there's the stage in Corinth. Now ask yourself, just briefly, any correlations to today? 
Booze, sex, business, you can take it from there. But if we set the context, we know who Paul's talking to, and we also know the Bible's not done talking to us in the context in which we live. So let's open the curtain just for a second on, let's just call this Act 1. Act 1, and I titled Act 1, Our Sinfulness. Our Sinfulness. In the Psalm 51 reading that was just read in verse 5, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and it sinned, and my mother conceived me. You got it, whether you like it or not. It's in your DNA. If you doubt that, or question it, those of you who are parents will have no issue with this at all. And if you're honest and look in the mirror, you can't fight it. You do not have to teach your children how to do wrong. No one has to tell them how to spit their cereal at you, throw their Cheerios, bite their siblings, steal their toys, take the car when they're not supposed to, drink and drive. I only know because I did them all. It's not rocket science. The Bible says we're born with it. The evidence proves we have it. So the first thing is, face the music. We all have sin in our lives. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Let me piggyback that with the words from the gospel lesson, just a couple verses. Jesus says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a person. Your problem, my problem, is not the world. Your problem and my problem, says Jeremiah and says Jesus and says the Bible in a lot of other places, is my heart. My evil, wicked, lusting, nasty, rotten heart. Good morning and welcome to Holy Cross. (laughs) I'm just telling you what the Bible says. (laughs) We have to face the music. So, when someone tells you, follow your heart, tell them, forget it. It's a bad idea. Let me give you some better news. Take your Bible, look in the back, find the word spirit in the concordance, and look at all the places the Bible directs you to follow the spirit of God. That's the right answer. Because he's the only one who has changed your heart, who can change your heart, who will change your heart, and who will lead you in the right direction. One of the things we don't see or think about behind the scenes of sin, and listen to this carefully, it only took one, just one, to condemn the whole world. One. How was your week? Ten a day? Twenty a day? How old are you? 
multiply it out. How's it going? It only took one. Peel back the curtain a little bit. And God help us understand the seriousness of our sin. Do you believe that the seed of every human sin lies within you? The possibility that you could actually do some of the big ones? Like the big ones, right? You haven't done the big ones, so it's cool. No, it's not cool. And they're in there. Like murder. Yeah, like murder. It's in there. And the Holy Spirit is restraining it in you. Or it would come out. And that's the seriousness and the gravity of our sin. Just one would condemn us. How about all the other ones? Close the curtain for a moment. Remember all the stuff that goes on when they change the scenes around? Move all the jazz. Put up new props. Everything's cool. Woo! Open the curtain again. Act two. Act two, I would like you to consider the gravity of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross for what we just talked about. Your sin. My sin. Psalm 22. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They gloat over me. They divide thy garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is hundreds of years before Jesus, but... The psalmist is penning the description of the crucifixion. Same thing with the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brings us peace. By his wounds we are healed. Another prediction of the crucifixion of Jesus. And in the gospel, what do we read? It's it's fairly brief, and it's really easy to gloss over again, isn't it? Mark 15, 20. And when they had mocked him, beaten him, spit on him, they stripped him of his purple clothes, they put his own clothes back on him, and they led him out to crucify him. Pretty straightforward stuff. And in our text today, for our sake, don't don't miss that. God didn't do it for his own sake. For our sake, he made him sin to he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we can become the righteousness of God. Peter pens in first Peter two twenty four, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. By His wounds, we are healed. How many of you have seen the movie The Passion of the Christ? Many of you have. If you haven't seen it, it's hard to watch. And I mean by no stretch of the imagination to discount what you see in that movie. And what you see in that movie is only a part, uh, time-wise, of what actually happened when that happened to Jesus. 
But I ask you for just a moment right now to not denigrate the physical suffering of Christ, but to close the curtain for just a moment and think about Act 1 of your own life. And that just one sin would condemn you. And how many sins you have. And that's just you. And how about the person next to you? And how about everyone in this building? And how about everyone who has ever taken a breath on earth? Or every child ever conceived that on that cross, behind what we can see, Jesus is paying for all of it. Every single one. He didn't miss any of them. None. Consider the gravity of the cost to God the Father who says in Isaiah 53.10, it is the Lord's will to crush him. For you, for me. Amazing grace. We just sang the song, didn't we? How sweet the sound. Not very technological, so it might take me a minute to pull this up, but I hope not. Just kind of put the first two acts into a lump. This is Charles Spurgeon. Have you ever really weighed and considered how great the sin of God's people is? Yes, God's people. Think how heinous is your own transgression. And you will find that not only does a sin here and there tower up like a mountain, but your iniquities heap themselves upon each other. Mountain after mountain after mountain. What an aggregate of sin there is in the life of even the most holy child of God. An attempt to multiply this, the sin of only one, by the multitude of the redeemed, and you will have some conception of the great mass of guilt for whom Jesus shed his blood. But we arrive at a more adequate idea of the magnitude of sin by the greatness of the remedy that's provided. It is the blood of Jesus Christ shed upon the cross, God's only and well-beloved Son. Yes, God's Son. God's Son whom angels cast their crowns before and the choirs and symphonies of heaven surround him in all his glory. And yet he takes upon himself the form of a surgeon, of a servant. He is scourged, pierced, bruised, torn, and slain behind the scenes. Nothing but his blood of the incarnate Son of God can make atonement for your offenses and for mine. No human mind can adequately estimate the infinite value of the divine sacrifice, for although the sin of God's people is great, the atonement is immeasurably greater and takes them all away. Therefore, when sin rolls like a flood and the remembrance of the past is bitter, the believer can stand before the amazing glorious, wonderful, holy, and awesome throne of God and say to him, who is to condemn me for Christ Jesus died for me? More than that, he was raised from the dead. 
while the reconciliation of the believer, while the recollection of the believer's sins still shame and sorrow him and serve to cause darkness, the brightness of God's mercy and the light with which he shines, his divine love is more splendorous than all the sin ever committed. Peel back the seams a little. If you want to make a really cool connection, it really works for me. All the Old Testament sacrifices are coming to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And when the curtain is torn, when Jesus is crucified, and we are reconciled to God, we have access. Everything was drawing up to that. All of the Old Testament, the drama of the Old Testament, played itself out right there. All the bloodshed comes down to Christ and the forgiveness of sins that he gives us from the cross. And now we have the grand finale. Act three. Don't worry, we spent a lot longer on the first two than we will on the second two. We'll be done shortly. Act three is the grand finale. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you that while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. God peels the curtain back on Act 3 to his risen Son, the reigning Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered to you first importance what is also received to me, that Christ Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day, according to the Scriptures, he rose again. And in 1 Corinthians 15, a little later, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ hasn't even been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. This is the grand finale. This is the centerpiece on the table. This is it. That's what Paul just said. Because if Jesus hasn't been raised, our faith is in vain. My preaching's in vain. Pastor Matt's preaching in vain. All the preaching's in vain. We might as well go have pancakes. Talk about something else. But he is alive. (laughs) He is alive. It's not in vain. Your faith is not in vain. All of those sins that you committed, all of those sins that he took away, all of the grace that he's given you and continues to give to you, all of your hope in the future lies in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Otherwise, you have no future. Well, maybe a few years here. It's not, your best day here is not all that great, is it? It's good. Some of it's fun. Pretty sure there's no comparison to the resurrection. Can you imagine it now when Jesus comes and wraps the whole thing up and everything is perfect forever and ever? You you can't because we can't. You'll be wondering what in the world we spent so much of our time doing other stuff for. Act 3, 
is the resurrection. In the resurrection, God is saying about his son, that's my boy. That's my boy. He did that for you. I loved you. He loves you. The Holy Spirit's called you. That's my boy. So now we have the ministry of reconciliation. That's what Paul's talking about, being ambassadors for Christ, sharing the message of the cross for forgiveness and the resurrection of the dead for the hope of eternity. That's basically what led up to the verse 521. So what do we do with the ministry of reconciliation? Let me tell you what we shouldn't do. Because it's important that we don't do this. Every one of you, including me, has stuff in your life today that's behind the scenes. I don't know what it is. God knows what it is. It could be a multitude of things. It could be sickness, be marriage problems, be job problems, be family issues, could be wayward children, could be financial crisis, could be aging could be taking care of aging parents, could be loss of loved ones, and you can fill in the blank. And it's not just us in here. Everybody outside those doors has some of those things too, or more, less. Everybody's got them. And not everybody's talking about them. And that's how they stay behind the scenes. You can't talk to everybody. I understand. But the ones who you meet, you can talk to. And God cares about all of those things in our lives. Immensely, he cares about those things. Those are all things that God allows or sends. The danger is sharing Jesus Christ with people on the basis of their felt needs. Because let me ask you, I'm pretty sure we could go out on the street today and say, hey, You know, Jesus can help you with your finances, and Jesus can help you with your marriage, and Jesus can help you with your family. He can help you raise your children. He can help you with your job. Would you like to receive Jesus? I can guarantee you, you'll get some response out of that one. That's not the issue. (laughs) Even if Jesus does choose to help those people with that, If they die unreconciled to God through the cross of Christ, then they're going to hell forever. What good did that do? Doesn't do any good at all, does it? Those things can be stepping stones, though. Conversation starters. Things that people share with us or things that we share with other people. We can mingle in the conversations. What Jesus has done for us. How our faith interacts in our lives how they might be reconciled to God through the cross of Christ. It's not a matter of felt needs. It's a matter of the need. The one major need we all have. And that is, we have our sins forgiven so that we can be in the presence of God forever. That's the issue. And you, my dear Christian friend, and I are called, as Paul says, to be ambassadors for that. Do you know what your you know what your calling is? Do you know what you're an ambassador for? I mean, what, what gifts do you have? How can you use them? Where do you go? What do you say? 
I, I don't know again. I do believe you have one. If God called you to be his children, he called you to be an ambassador. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Same thing. Be an ambassador. I put my suit on this morning, and I looked in the pocket, and sure enough, this is, this is a book about being reconciled to God through the cross of Jesus Christ and having eternal hope in the resurrection. Starts at creation, goes all the way to the end. It's 62 pages, simple to read, interesting as the Dickens. And I have them in all my, I put that suit on, it's in my pocket from the last wedding I was at. I carry these with me. This, folks, is my calling. Doesn't mean it's yours. It's probably not. But it's mine. And you know how I know it's mine? Because I've been doing it for years and I've seen God work through it for years. And I won't stop until he stops or he tells me to do something different. Ask God what your calling is. He did not reconcile you to himself through the blood of his own dear son and take away all your sins so that you could just come here and sit on a Sunday morning and the other six days not go out. Now here's the other thing. Let this, let this be the engine. The fact that God sent his son and shed his blood on the cross for you and rose from the dead for you that same grace can be your compeller. Can be, it's your engine, man. Because I can guilt you into all kinds of things, and that's completely useless. But when the penny drops and it dawns on you that he's called me and asked me to do this because he's already done this for me, then it becomes a lot simpler. And all you're giving away are the gifts he's given to you. You can't give away a gift unless you have it, can you? Just give away the gifts. Whatever your calling is. However you choose to do that. It's good for us to look behind the scenes, isn't it, a little bit? Now, don't walk out of here and dwell on Act 1. It's a bad idea. You know, if you drive your car and look in the rearview mirror and never look forward, it won't be long. You'll smash the guy in front of you. You'll hit him pretty hard. You'll hit him pretty fast. But it's good to glance in the mirror to see what's behind you every once in a while. So take Act 1, and every once in a while just peel the curtain open and say, yep, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things, and I got one of them. And then go to Act 2 and say, you know what? Jesus died. So all those things can be wiped away, and that's not how God sees me now. It's not how he sees me now. Then remember, Jesus rose from the dead for you so you could live forever. And go out and tell some people what God has done for us. Behind the scenes is important. And the drama that God acted out to save us is extremely awesome. And it will compel our lives to be ambassadors for him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that at such great cost to yourself and to your son, 
that you have called us. And oh, how we need your help now, both to believe it and to live it out. Help us, Lord, now as we come to this altar and kneel before your presence, forgiven and free to partake of what you offer here as a direct remembrance of our sinfulness and the wonderful, wonderful shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross to wash it as white as snow. Bless this day. Bless this place. Bless our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.